let us turn to Galatians chapter 1 as we continue through the book of Galatians here. We're going to go through 14 verses today. If you would please read with me and we will have a word of prayer. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Father, we thank you for this great man, Paul. Lord, that we know that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And those of us who are sitting here today have been influenced by this man. Lord, it is through the apostle Paul that many of us have come to know the salvation of Christ. God, I ask that we would look at this and we would understand it. Lord, that you would give us wisdom and knowledge. Lord, that you would speak through me this day. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to start in an unusual spot. You may think it's unusual. Genesis 3, 7 through 10. Genesis 3, 7 through 10. So we're turning there. I'd like to uh, say that from the beginning, man has tried to devise ways to make themselves right with God. Man tries to create some attainable way to be justified to the perfect, righteous, and holy God. We can look here at Genesis 3, 7 through 10. We'll read this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And this is after Adam and Eve took of the fruit that caused them spiritual death. 
and caused death upon the earth. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. We see Adam and Eve with the first offense from man towards God. In their guilt and in their sin, they found shame in being naked before God. So in turn, we find their effort to show themselves acceptable before God. They came to the conclusion that they could cover themselves with sewn fig leaves They seem to think that maybe they could fool God by hiding from him, first of all, and second of all, by covering themselves, hoping that maybe he wouldn't notice. Maybe they can make things right. Just maybe. We look in the same chapter in verse 21 of Genesis 3, and it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. This is the first indication of what God requires to cover the sin of man. God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve. And in the Hebrew, the skin means hides or leather. And this shows that it's required to have the shedding of blood to cover the sin of man. Something had to die. Something had to shed its blood to give adequate covering for Adam and Eve. And they did not provide it themselves. God was the one who gave the adequate covering. They provided something that was inadequate to cover their nakedness. We move on to Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And we see Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. We now see a progression. It seems that God, it's known by them that God required a sacrifice of animals. And Cain decided he was going to bring his own sacrifice in his own way of the produce of the ground instead of what was acceptable to God. And his brother in turn brought the proper sacrifice of the animals because he was the tender of flocks. And they both knew what was required to be a sacrifice of God. Cain decided that he would do it his own way. And God was not pleased with that. We can also look at Exodus 12. And we're not going to read it. 
But Exodus 12, we, rece- we see the reflection of the salvation sacrifice of Christ. God here is telling Israel that he will save them from their slavery to the Egyptians. But again, it is to be God's way, not man's way. God instructs them to take a lamb. He tells them to kill it, put his blood on the doorposts, and then you are to take the lamb, roast it, and eat it. And God, in that night, will bring the angel of death, and to anyone who does not have blood on the doorposts, which mainly was the Egyptian people, the firstborn of the house was to die. Man looks at this and says, what in the world is this kind of plan? Shouldn't you devise a plan to form a militia, to take your tools and turn them into weapons and overthrow the Egyptian government? But that's not God's way. That is not the way of God. God's ways are not man's ways, as we see in Isaiah 55 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Brothers and sisters, God's ways are not our ways. Man's ways are not God's ways. They're not the same. Man makes up lies. Man makes up things to appease his conscience. And he calls them spiritual. Mankind devises works and methods that are appealing and are attainable to make themselves right with God. At the same time, because it comes from man, it can be pleasing and popular to people. And this is in direct contradiction to the true gospel that says you are saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone, not of the works of man. Ever since Adam and Eve, man has tried to do it his own way. Man has tried to make himself right with God. Turn to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. No man can boast of the salvation of God. No man can do works that would bring us to God. Only God can take the credit for that. And it is by grace through faith. 
If you read Hebrews chapter 11, you can see that not only in the New Testament, but the Old Testament, that those who at the time before Christ lived by faith in the coming Messiah, which was Christ. And they were justified and righteous before God by that faith that God has given them. Scripture does not teach that works of man or the law will save you in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Galatians 5.3, And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You've been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. If you follow the works of man or the law to try and justify yourself before God, you are cut off from Christ. And this is the teachings that those who are accusing Paul are bringing forward. They are teaching that if you put works into salvation, then that is the true way you are saved. And that's what they are doing. They're accusing Paul of doing another, though. They're accusing Paul as presenting a gospel that is made up which is actually what they are doing. And they're saying Paul is doing this to please man. That he is a man pleaser. But the exact opposite is true. Paul is mounting a defense here. And he's not only defending the fact that he has brought them the true gospel, but he is also speaking that it is unthinkable that he would be trying to please the Gentiles. He'd be trying to please men. But he is also bringing a defense that the gospel is not something he made up. It is direct revelation from Christ himself. It is important for us to understand this. It's very important for us to understand this. It's important for us to understand that the Apostle Paul is a true apostle teaching true, direct revelation from Christ. Because if you are saved today, most likely this came through the Apostle Paul. This message did. It's declared in Scripture in the book of Acts, Acts 9.15, that Paul had been chosen by God to proclaim Christ to the Gentiles. We also know that Paul was known to write 13 books of the New Testament. So if Paul is not true, if Paul is bringing you a false gospel, if Paul is trying to be a man-pleaser and he can be discredited, then the Scriptures could be proven false. Did you get that? If he can be discredited, then the scriptures can be proven false because he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul today 
in our passage is giving a defense against being a people pleaser. We go back to Galatians 1.10 in our text here. He says, For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul is saying, if I am such a pleaser of men, then why am I a slave to Christ? That's what the word bondservant means. It means that you are a willing slave. Why would I be a slave to Christ? And Paul is saying in our text here that he was never a people pleaser. Even before his conversion on the road to Damascus, he was not trying to please men. He was always trying to please God. Acts 23.1, Paul is giving his defense before the Sanhedrin, and he says this, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. How could he make such a claim? He told us he persecuted the church of Christ. He participated in great approval to the murder of Stephen. How could he say that he has lived his life up to now with a perfectly good conscience? He gives us the answer in four places. He gives an answer here, Galatians 1.14. He said, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. When he says ancestral traditions, he is specifically saying ancestral doctrine. What was the doctrine of his ancestors? The word and law of God. He was zealous for the word and the law and the things of God. He wasn't trying to please people. He was looking to please God. He gives us another answer in Philippians 3, 5 through 6. Philippians 3, 5 and 6. And we've heard this one before. We know it. It says, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteous, which is in the law, found blameless. He was found blameless. He sought the law. He sought the things of God. Does it sound like he's seeking the approval of men? Does it sound like he was seeking the favor of men? Not according to these answers. Not from what I can tell. We see another answer of his Acts 22.3. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. He was zealous 
for God under the teaching of Gamaliel. And we even see that he proclaims in Galatians 1.15, back in our text here, he says, But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased. So Paul is asking them, How can you accuse me of being a pleaser of men? Paul was always looking to please God. He zealously sought out the truth in scriptures. He sought out the true doctrine that was given to his fathers, the Jewish people. He did all that he could to follow and be found blameless in the law. He even persecuted Christians with the greatest of zeal because he thought they were blaspheming God. He thought they were blaspheming God. He was trying to please God. And he had the greatest of zeal and interest in the scriptures and in the law. He was given education under Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was one of the highest known authorities in Judaism. The Mishnah says this of Gamaliel. It says, since Rabban Gamaliel, the elder, died, there has been no more reverence for the law and purity and piety died out at the same time. To be placed under the teaching of such a man as Gamaliel was only reserved for the most zealous of students who were seeking God through the scriptures and seeking the ways of God. Paul had this zeal. He was not trying to please men. He was trying to please God. Paul never sought to please men. And Paul here is giving the true gospel of Christ. And one of the things that is the most convincing of this is a statement that is made to prove this in Acts 9, 20 through 21. This is speaking of Paul immediately after regaining his sight. And it says, immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? The whole fact that Paul went from ignorantly persecuting Christians because he thought he was pleasing God to making a 180-degree turn immediately preaching Christ. When Christ showed him the truth of his error and now bringing upon himself the same persecution that he was giving out shows that Paul was not looking to please men. When Christ showed him his error, Right away, he turned. He went 180 degrees in the other direction, said, I'm pleasing God. He didn't know the truth before, but he thought he was pleasing God. He knows the truth now, 
And he is doing as God is commanding him. And he is receiving persecution because of it. But he was preaching a gospel that man never had an opportunity to give him. And he didn't seek out men for this gospel. He didn't seek out men for the message of Christ that he was given. He was given directly from Christ this message. Again, we see in our text in Galatians here, verses 16 through 18, he says, To reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. Paul didn't seek out this message from men. Paul got it directly from Christ. As a matter of fact, it took him three years before he decided to go see any of the other apostles. He went to go see Peter who was Cephas, and he saw James, the brother of Jesus, and he didn't even look to seek them out before that. Wouldn't you have thought that if he was getting his message from them, that he would have immediately gone to seek them out? Instead, he waited three years. Three years. And even then, he only spent 15 days with them. The reason being, it was not necessary for Paul to seek them out for this message. He had been given it directly from Christ himself. And we can see great proof of this because the last statement that he makes here in this text, in verses 23 and 24, he said, but only they kept hearing He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. Three years later, Paul goes, visits Peter for 15 days. He comes into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and hears from these people who he's never met, because it says that they had not known him by sight. And he hears from them these same words that were recorded by Luke in Acts 9.21, that he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. Brothers and sisters, that is not a message from man. It's not a message that... Man made up. It's not a message that Paul made up, as he is being accused here of. And it's not a man-pleasing message. It's not pleasing to man to think that they have no part in their salvation. It's not pleasing to man for that. Man wants to do something. 
They want to have a part in it. Man wants to be able to say, I did this. I did this. We're all guilty of it. We want to be able to say we've done certain things. We all want to take credit for certain things. But as we saw, there is no credit on our account. God is the only one. God is the only one who can take credit for it. And the whole idea that Paul had been given a message that was of men was false. As a matter of fact, the event of his blinding and salvation was witnessed. It's been recorded and it's spread throughout the world before even Paul stepped foot in some of these parts of the world. The message that he got saved, the Apostle Paul got saved and is now preaching Christ was astonishing to people because he persecuted the church beyond measure. He was pulling women out. Women. He had no regard whether it was women, men, children. If you were following Christ, he was of terror to these people. He terrorized them. He brought them bound in chains and many of them were put to death. And now all of a sudden he is no longer following that. He did it in ignorance. He thought he was pleasing God. He was never trying to be a man pleaser. He was always trying to please God. And we know that these people whom Paul is addressing here in this defense have heard this also. They had to have. And they're seeking to discredit him. And this is of the utmost importance that we understand that Paul was the real deal. He was not trying to please men. He had the true gospel. And if you can discredit the Apostle Paul, if you can pass him off as a man-pleaser, if you can prove that he teaches a gospel that he just made up that is not of Christ, then you can throw the gospel and the scripture right out the window. That's why the defense that we see Paul giving here in the first two chapters of Galatians is so important because if it is not of God, then it is of Satan by the way of men who are cursed. As he declared back in the verse nine, these men are cursed who give the false gospel and Paul is not one of them. So, brothers and sisters, this is extremely important. We need to make sure we know that we can depend on what the Apostle Paul has written here in Scripture and everywhere in Scripture to know that it is the truth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Paul. 
for his writings. Lord, I thank you that all that is in this book is the truth. Lord, I thank you that we can look at this today and we can be prepared. And we can say that we know what the true gospel is. And we know how we can give the truth to men and women around the world. Lord, I ask that we would be bold in presenting the gospel to those that we know who are unsaved. And Lord, as a church, that we would strengthen and edify each other to do this work. Thank you, Lord. Amen.